Salam and good day. Uh, this talk was supposed to be given this week in an event held in the headquarters of one of the biggest multinational companies. Since this month is the Islamophobia Awareness Month in the UK. But unfortunately, it was called off just a few days before the event, uh, probably to avoid the problems or criticism for supporting the Muslim staff. Though that same company has a strong record in supporting other groups. That same company sponsored the LGBTQ Pride through their strong LGBTQ network inside the company. And I will not mention the name of the company because this word is a sincere advice to the management. It is not to point fingers or shame or criticize anyone. It is a sincere message from my heart. Being afraid of inviting a speaker to address your staff on Islamophobia is in itself Islamophobic. And don't be offended. To be an Islamophobe does not necessarily mean that you hate Muslims. But it means that you fear Muslims or you fear supporting Muslims. And this fear is unjustifiable. The word Islam is an Arabic word which comes from the root Salama in Arabic language. And in Arabic language, there are three other words which come from the same root. Istislam, Salama and Salam. Istislam, submission. Salama, purity. Salam, peace. So a Muslim is someone who submits to God and worships God purely without any association with God to live in peace and harmony in this life and in the hereafter, after his or her death. I'm not proselytizing. If you are interested in Islam, check my three documentaries and I will leave links for them in the description box if you are watching on YouTube or in the post if you are watching in, on, on Facebook. I am sure that you already know that the book which Muslims read and use in their worship is called the Quran. And the Quran has so many stories of prophets and messengers who were mentioned in the Bible, like Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Jesus, peace be upon them all. But the very first story that came in the Quran is the story of Adam. And unlike all the rest of the stories, it is not just to take lessons from. The story of Adam is the foundation of the life of every human being, whether male or female. In this story, Muslims learn about the very first sin which was ever committed in the history of mankind. So you you can call it the Islamic original sin if you want, because surprisingly, it is not the same sin mentioned by other religions. The original sin is not the sin of Adam. Muslims do believe that Adam ate from the forbidden tree and that there were consequences, but the original sin must be the very first sin ever committed. And according to Islam, it was not the sin of Adam, rather, it was the sin of Satan. When God Almighty created Adam, he commanded the angels 
and everyone else to bow down and submit to Adam as a symbol of showing readiness to help him and support him in his mission to develop the earth. And they all did bow down to him, except one, Satan. God blamed him according to the Quran saying, why didn't you prostrate yourself to the one whom I created? Satan justified his disobedience by saying, because I am better than him. You created me from fire and you created him from mud. Isn't I am from fire and he is from mud the same thing like I am white and he is black? I am European and he is Arab. I am Arab and he is Indian. Therefore, the original sin according to Islam is racism. Not a fruit that was eaten from a tree. God expelled him from paradise. And this means that according to Islamic teachings, racism is the original sin and racists have no place in paradise. Around this concept, the faith of Islam revolves. And that's why Islam is mainly a religion of justice and equality. One of the teachings of Prophet Muhammad is, all people in the sight of God are as equal as the teeth of a comb. And that there is no privilege for an Arab on an un-Arab, nor for a white over a black except according to the level of righteousness. So it's righteousness and piety, not your color or race or sex. British Muslims do not want to be treated better than any other people. They just want to be treated equally with other people. And they deserve to be treated fairly. Muslims, according to the Office of National Statistics, are 5.6% of the population of Britain. 3.1 million Muslims live in Britain and they work and contribute to the economy. According to a study published by the Huffington Post, British Muslims contribute 31 billion pounds to the economy with a spending power of 20 billion pounds. In London alone, British Muslims own 13,500 companies which created jobs for over 70,000 people. In the NHS, the Muslim staff are 29,200 people. 9,200 of them are specialists. And that's 8% of the number of doctors of the NHS. The very first NHS staff members who died fighting COVID-19 were Muslims. One of them is a friend of mine, Dr. Muhammad Sami Shusha. Uh, I wish if you can take, uh, 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 take a look at them because they deserve your respect. Because they died while saving lives. The Quran said, whoever saves one life is as if he has saved all of mankind. I can spend all day about uh, talking about the contributions of British Muslims in the economy, politics, sports, charity, and in all walks of life. Muslims really do not deserve the Islamophobic treatment which they face every day. Islamophobia is not an illusion. 
Islamophobia exists. It is very true that it exists. No one on earth deserves to be treated like Muslims are treated. The problem is that non-Muslims cannot see most aspects of Islamophobia. Non-Muslims can see hate crimes, physical attacks, verbal attacks on Muslims, but they cannot see the marginalization or the discrimination or the exclusion or the stereotyping which Muslims suffer from. No one deserves the hate which is directed towards Muslims. According to a recent study conducted by Hope, and, uh, Hope Not Hate, which is a reputable research group, 30% of Britons regard Islam as a threat to the UK. They found that for every one moderate Muslim mentioned in the media, there are mentions of 21 extremist Muslims. So instead of presenting the commonalities between British values and the values of Islam, Muslims are presented as aliens, as extremists, as subversive antagonists. And this led to, according to the Home Office, in the year 2022 alone, 42% of all hate crimes against religious people were against Muslims. British Muslims suffered from 3,500 hate crimes in just one year. 62% of these hate crimes were directed toward Muslim women because they are wearing hijab. So it's obvious that they are Muslim. We all saw the man who pushed the Muslim woman in Piccadilly Circus tube station, I think, in front of the train. This man is not just a criminal. He's a victim of the brainwashing, hate-mongering campaign against Muslims. He believed that they are a threat. So he wanted to do his good deed for the day by killing one of them. That's what many people believe, that getting rid of Muslims, they, by getting rid of Muslims, they are saving lives. Because Islam is associated with violence, extremism, and homicide. They don't know the findings of the uh, research uh, of Professor Stephen Fish a political scientist in University of California, Berkeley. Dr. Fish found that in predominantly Muslim countries, the rate of murder is 2.4 murders per annum per 100,000 people, compared to 7.5 in non-Muslim countries. The rate dramatically increases over three times in non-Muslim countries. Whether you like it or not, but the fact is more Muslims, less homicide. He also found that foreign invasions of Muslim countries clearly played a big role in fueling the growth of violent extremism, like the invasion of Iraq, which created widespread chaos and violence 
And that chaos and violence is what gave way to extremism. And after all that, still some people insist on denying the existence of Islamophobia. Some people are even trying to replace the term Islamophobia. And they keep giving excuses to, that, to do that. This denial is not helping. This denial of Islamophobia is widening the gap in the society. We can never fix a problem until we admit its existence. So number one, we have to admit the existence of Islamophobia. Number two, we have to admit that our real enemy is our real ignorance. Our own ignorance is our enemy. The problem is that most people do not want to admit that they are ignorant about Islam. Maybe because they think that ignorance is shameful and discrediting. While it's not, ignorance is lack of information, not lack of intelligence. I advise every non-Muslim who watches this talk, go to the nearest mosque and ask Muslims themselves about Islam. Thank you.